I think every one of us has guilty pleasures. Do you have guilty pleasures? Things that you kind of enjoy. They're kind of silly, but you like them. Okay? Ices. Flavor ice. That silly little plastic thing. I like them. It's a guilty pleasure. My daughter bought those as a snack for us this week. It was wonderful. Especially cherry ones. I just really like them. It's a guilty little silly little pleasure. There's another little pleasure that I like in life. I like waiting in line at the grocery store. Do you know why I like waiting in line? Because I will never buy those newspapers that are right at the grocery store check-in, but I like reading all the headlines. <laughs> I always think they're kind of funny. You know, occasionally I'm thinking, that one's good. Maybe I should pick it up. Maybe, you know, maybe it will be worth reading. My favorite one of all time was Pastor Instantaneously Combusted while preaching about hell. I'm just thinking, isn't that a great, <laughs> you know, and it was just like, I, I just love those kinds of things. It's a, it's a guilty little pleasure, you know. The story in the Bible that we're going to read today could be one of those headlines. It could be one of those things, you know. 90-year-old woman gives birth to son, names him laughter, you know. Actually, the word is crack up. You know, 90 world, you know, you know, it, it's a crazy story that we're going to read today. It, it really could be that thing that you could enjoy reading. And now of all of you are going to take a little extra time when you go through the grocery line to read what the mirror has to say. The last time God spoke to Sarah, he told her at age 89 that sometime during that year he was coming back to visit because she was going to give birth to his son. And remember that she responded by laughing because it sounded so crazy. And God said that he would return and that that would be what they named their son, Crack Up. What a funny name. You know, have you ever thought about some people's names? Have you ever thought, have you ever met somebody and they introduce themselves and you're like, what were your parents thinking? You know? Hi, my name is Crackup. You know, I'd like you to meet my little brother, Giggle. <laughs> We're going to have a snicker together. You know, it, 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 it's, it's a kind of an idea. It's just kind of funny. But here it is. Here's the story. Genesis chapter 21. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. I think we need to underline those verses in our Bible. The Lord did as he had promised. Don't you want that kind of thing in your life in a couple places where you've prayed and all of a sudden you realize, huh, the Lord did what he had promised. Even though it seems crazy and even though it seems like just an article for the paper, the Lord did what he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age and at the time which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son, was born to him, whom Sarah bore him Isaac. Now, chapter 21 is an interesting chapter because chapter 21 would really play pretty well as 
a three-act play. It really would. And in between each of the three scenes, we'll have a commercial, okay? Because that's kind of what would happen. And we'll try to sell you some drug that when you listen to what that drug is going to do to you, you're like, why am I ever going to use this drug? Even though you're saying this in a very pleasant voice. So scene one is that God did exactly what he said, right? God did what he had promised. And all of a sudden... A 90-year-old woman is glowing in her pregnancy. You know? But he didn't do what he had promised and just give them an adopted child. She went through the pregnancy. She craved pickles. She went through those experiences. She got to that point where you just don't feel comfortable, and if one more person tells you that you look big, you're going to slap them. She went through all of those experiences in her old age. And not only that... But this was before formula, and she breastfed her baby. A a 90-year-old woman, you know? I'm sure there were many times that she was out with that baby, and and people would say, oh, isn't this neat? Grandma's spending some time with her grandson. And she would smile and say, no, he's mine. He's my baby. Well, what's his name? Crack up. (laughs) Laughter is his name. You know, when God does something that only God can do in a way that He does it, and when we experience those promises, all of a sudden our faithfulness changes because of what we've experienced in God's faithfulness. All of a sudden, because when we experience God doing something that only God could do in a way that only God could do it, in circumstances that are kind of beyond our control, if for something that we waited 25 years for, think about that. He made this promise to them back in chapter 12, which was 25 years ago. Even when God finally comes through, It is an absolutely amazing thing, and we are completely blown away by the fact that God has done what only He can do. And we respond. The first way that faithfulness responds is it motivates our obedience. Remember the third time that God explained the promise and He said, and there's going to be this special procedure that every male has to go through? to be a part of this promise. All of a sudden, eight days later, it says that and Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old as the Lord had commanded him. All of a sudden, because he'd experienced this big thing, he didn't question this little thing that he was supposed to do. Now, I have met people who know that God is asking them to do a little thing and they're really struggling with it. Do you know why? Because they haven't experienced the joy of the bigger promise that makes the little bit of obedience not that big a deal. Think about it in your life. Are you struggling with one little area of obedience? Maybe it's because you forgot about the big promise. But because there was this big promise, all of a sudden that motivated him. In fact, it, it not only faithfulness does it motivate it to his obedience, but it brings delight. Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born to him. You know? So is this your great-great-grandson? No. He's my son. What do you mean? 
weird. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that, that'd be kind of how it is. You read on and it says this, And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me, and everyone who hears will laugh over me. Yeah, they were laughing. You know, I think that probably there were a lot of different kind of laughters and snickers. Have you realized that some laughter is not kind? You know, there is that belly laugh that we have together, that we long for, that we enjoy. But then there's other times that laughter just really hurts, doesn't it? Sarah was talking about the fact, this makes me happy. This makes me laugh. But I know that other people are are going to be laughing at me instead of with me. Had a friend, just found out they're having their sixth child. There were polite laughter around the announcement. Along with an explanation of biology and shouldn't you know better. But he says, but I just felt like God was, we were supposed to have one more. I said, did your wife feel that way? Yeah, okay, well that's awesome. But there's those ways that laughter cuts both ways. But there is that sense of real delight. I'll give you an example this week. I had that experience. I led happy hour for the business association this week. They asked me to emcee it. I did really well. We accomplished exactly what we wanted to. And I left there with this sense of delight because I got to do what God had called me to do. One of the guys came up to me afterwards and says, you're pretty good at this public speaking thing. We'll have to lean on you a little more often. Hmm. Delight. Verse 7. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse the children, yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Do you notice that she's deflecting here? She didn't say, I had a son when I'm old. I had a son when he was old. (laughs) And the child grew up and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. You know, remember all the things we used to celebrate when our kids were little? You know, uh, you know, it's like Facebook news. They rolled over. <laughs> you know, I think they said daddy today, you know, and all those kinds of things. This is a big deal. His little toddler son was no longer just needing mom all the time. Maybe he'd get some time with him now and with her. But it was a time of celebration. Scene one, great is God's faithfulness. He keeps his promises. Scene two, meet a 90-year-old mama bear, okay? But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had born, born, whom she had born to Abraham, laughing. Now, this passage doesn't explain really what's going on here. If you read in the book of Galatians, you read a little bit more about this in chapter 4. The big brother was picking on the little brother. And he was making fun of him. Oh, you're finally grown up enough that you don't need your mommy all the time. You know, you don't know exactly what was going on. It's, it's normal. You know, we had a child a little later in life, David, and 
when he was about four years old, I asked one of his brothers, I said, well, so what's it like having a little brother? And he looked at me and he says, it's kind of like having a pet. <laughs> you know, he's there and you can reach out and touch him every once in a while. But you don't have to really talk to him or you can ignore him if you want. <laughs> but there was a rivalry was going on because Ishmael was the only son for a long time. Probably spent a lot of time with his dad. And all of a sudden, 13 years later... Isaac comes onto the scene. And there's this, all this drama about Isaac because blah, 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 God gave him to him, blah, 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 miracle, blah, blah, blah. Bottom line is, I'm jealous. I'm hurting. And all of a sudden, Mama Bear catches the other child treating her special son poorly. You see, here's the part that's hard about faithfulness. Is sometimes faithfulness causes crisis. Okay? Sometimes when God keeps His promise, when He does exactly what we want God to do, the problem with that promise sometimes is that there's collateral damage that goes along with that promise. Does this make sense? Sometimes even though we pray and pray and pray and we see God do this amazing thing, in the midst of that amazing thing, there's something about that thing that also brings sorrow or pain or frustration. And we don't know how to handle that really well. Sometimes we're surprised by it. Because when we think when God answers a prayer, then, then it's Disneyland, right? Right? And everything's okay. Then it's Pollyanna. Everything's okay. But in the midst of God answering prayer and doing amazing things, there is always collateral damage. And part of the reason there's collateral damage is because there were other times in our life that we didn't completely obey God and we didn't do what He said. And so part of the reason that we create drama in the middle of God's promise is that we created it ourselves. Sometimes our lack of faithfulness makes times God is faithful harder. In scene two, faithfulness causes a crisis. And in that crisis, Sarah has a chat with Abraham. Cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of this slave shall not be the heir with my son Isaac. I'm not going to put up with this. I'm drawing a line. And there's nothing like an upset mama bear, is there? Have you ever tried to talk mama bear down? Ooh. She might not take out who she needs to, but she might take you out. <laughs> Scripture tells us that this thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of what? His son. And not his son Isaac, but his son Ishmael. You know, when mom is not happy, ain't nobody happy. Mom is not happy. And Abraham is in a hard situation. Abraham could explain the obvious to to Sarah right now. 
hey, I never wanted this. You're the one that, you're the one that gave me Hagar. This was your idea. You treated her poorly and God brought her back. That's just how things are. But in the middle of the crisis, sometimes God calls for hard obedience. But God said to Abraham, Be not displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you. For though I... for through Isaac shall your offspring be named. Some people might want to underline that. that says, whatever your wife says to do, do as she tells you. This was taking place right after the great celebration, the big party. My toddler boy is growing up. But in the middle of this incredible celebration comes crisis and sadness. When Abraham has to do something really hard. You know, when the crisis comes, that kind of obedience isn't as easy, is it? When the crisis comes and God says, this is what you need to do, and in your mind you're trying to think, Okay, is there another way? Is there another way to do this? Is there a plan B? Is there a plan C? If that doesn't work, is it, I just don't want to do plan A. I, I don't want to do this thing. Man, you, you, I can't even enjoy the promise because this thing is in the way of the promise. We never have this experience, do we? where it seems like life collides into the promise and we're just like, can I have one more day before the crisis? Right? But God has more to say. And I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman because he is your offspring. You see, one of the things that I think that we get into our mind is that somehow... The crisis limits God's faithfulness and God's blessing. You know? We get this idea that we have messed up and we've already ruined the party and that we'll never party again. We feel like that. And we lament that. And we get stuck in the rut of that and we realize that, okay... I created this mess. I'm sure Abraham is thinking that. I created this mess and there's no way out. But God is giving an interesting way out. He's saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to apply my promises to you to this son as well. But you need to let you listen to your wife. And you need to let him go. Verse 14. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar and putting it on her shoulder along with the child and sent him away. And she departed, she departed wandering in the wilderness of Bathsheba. This is an interesting verse. Read a whole bunch of different ideas about this verse. The best idea is this. Because, God believe, because Abraham believed so much in what was going on, he chose to get out of the way. Okay, God, you're going to turn him into a great nation? 
I'm just going to send them on their way. And you know, you're thinking, Abraham was an incredibly rich man, wasn't he? He could have at least given him one camel, a donkey, you know, a couple pieces of silver, because he got a bunch from the king of, you know, Abimelech just a while ago. But he just sends them on their way. I think that this is hard in life sometimes. I feel like sometimes in the middle of the crisis, especially when we cause the crisis, we feel like we've got to help God out. And so we've got to finance rescue. And we've got to take care of all the details of rescue. But the commentary that touched my heart the most as I read it said this, this is not a sign of foolishness. This is a belief in God's faithfulness. In the same way God gave me a child when I should have never had a child, if God promised me that this son is going to be in a great nation, I don't have to finance him being a great nation. I just have to listen to what God is calling me to do. So I'm going to give him a bottle of water and a piece of bread, and I'm going to send him out in the desert, and he's going to be okay. You know, this is the problem that we have so much of the time, especially when we feel personally responsible. I, I struggle with this all the time. So often my kids will be going through a crisis and I'll be just thinking, I, I'm somehow responsible for this. How do I fix this? Who do I know? How do I leverage this moment? And all these different kinds of things. Instead of just saying, God, what do you want me to do? I just want you to send them away. And I will keep my promise. And I will do something great. Now, at this point, I would want to ask God, how are you going to do it? I need details. You need to explain yourself to me, God of heaven. You know who you're talking to? I need more information. Any of you built that way? I think that there are times in crisis when the way that we're supposed to be faithful can appear foolish to a bunch of other people and some of us are so caught up in either the real audience or the imaginary audience that we have of people that are somehow helping us make decisions that at that moment we get stuck because see not only is it a time for faith that may look foolish but it's also a time where God might want to do something. So when the water in the skin was gone, she put the child under one of the bushes. They ran out of water and they were out of bread and he was starting to look not so good. And so she did the only thing that she knew to do is she found a little bit of shade and she put Ishmael underneath that shade because that's the only thing that she could do. There was nothing else she could do. She couldn't make water. She couldn't make bread out of sand. And so the crisis, all of a sudden, was great. And it says that she did this. And when she sat down opposite him a good way off, about the distance of a bow shot, for she said, let me not look on the death of the child. You know, she's seeing him. This is interesting, because this is the language of a mother. She's talking about, this is my baby. My baby, I can't watch my baby die. I, I need to get away from here. i got to get away from my baby. And you look at that language and you think, my goodness. 
Ishmael was only four years old, but he wasn't. He was 16. But you know what? He was still mommy's baby, wasn't he? And mommy still wanted to take care of her baby. And I can't watch this happen to my baby. And she sat opposite of him and she lifted her voice and she wept. And God heard the voice of the boy. And then the angel of the Lord came to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. You see, the thing that we need to understand is that God likes the crisis because he can create a solution. He likes it. It's interesting here. He didn't say to Hagar, he said, what's up with you? What are you thinking? He, he doesn't even speak to her. He speaks to the thing that's breaking her heart. I have heard your boy. You know, he's already been bar mitzvahed. He would be considered a man, you know? But she's hearing the heart of him. Up. Lift the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Okay, now this is kind of an interesting thing. Okay, God, how are you going to do this? Instead of hiding from what you consider a problem, I want you to go and get him up. Because I'm going to turn him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. Sometimes the solution is there, but God wants it to be divine, and the only way it can be divine is if we don't see it until he tells us it's there. You know, I think that some of us are in scene two. We, we've had scene one happen in our lives. We have, haven't we? God has kept some amazing promises to us. We have no problem even speaking of those promises. We sing the song, Great is Thy Faithfulness, and our eyes missed up because we know that God has been faithful. But now all of a sudden, in the middle of God's faithfulness, there is this crisis and there's this collateral damage. And the reason it's there is because we are sinners and we do really stupid things and we make it harder for God. But last week we talked about how Romans 8.28 even applies to our sinfulness and our stupidness, right? He'll work all things together. And so now God is in the process, in this crisis that was caused by a lapse in believing in His faithfulness. God is divine and He's reaching in. Verse 20, And God was with the boy and He grew up. And he lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. And he lived in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. You see, Abraham didn't have to be God. He just needed to be faithful so that God could be God. That's the point of a crisis. The point of a crisis isn't you being God. The point of crisis, of the collateral damage, of those things that seem like a lap in the last or a a blip in the promise is because God wants to be God 
And God wants to be God not just for Abraham, not just for special people. Okay? That's why the story is so cool. Because it could have ended like this. And when God saw Ishmael making fun of Isaac, he struck him dead and he died. It could have been that simple. That could have been the solution, right? And because Sarah was somewhat foolish in giving Hagar to Abraham, Hagar and Ishmael became a boil and a frustration to Sarah for the rest of her life. You know, these could be the other ends to the story, right? But instead, God stepped in and did what only God could do. And God wasn't just faithful to the Abrahams in life, but God was faithful to the mistakes of the Abrahams in life. That's seen too. Some of us need that. To realize that there is no way we can manipulate the present situation. There's nothing that we can do to make it right. But God somehow can step in. I had this breath of air this week about a situation that I have been frustrated by and didn't understand and didn't know what was going on. And it happened by somebody coming to rent a bouncy house. In the middle of renting this bouncy house, Nancy was going through the contract and doing all of that kind of stuff and began this conversation and this person explained that they used to go to church and they were thinking about coming back to church. So she drug them right over to my office. And when she drug them over to my office, I started having a conversation with him and I found out where he worked. And in the process of that, I started asking him some questions. And all of a sudden, it gave me an answer to something that had been troubling me and help me have faith in a situation where I had been incredibly cynical. All because God brought somebody into the church that wanted to have a birthday party. And God created a moment, a divine interruption that I desperately needed in the middle of what looks like chaos to me and crisis in the life of someone that i love we're not going to do scene three because there is a third scene we'll pick that up next week but i pray for each of us I pray for each of us, first of all, that we will get the enjoyment of stopping to wait. How many of you would like to stop waiting for something that you feel like has been promised to you or you'd like to see God do? How many, how many are there? Do, do I hear you? Yeah. You know? And so the idea of 25 years, you're like, oh, great. I'm only on year 23. You know? The Bible's full of that kind of waiting. How many of you have lost hope because faithfulness created a crisis. God's faithfulness created a crisis. How many of us are willing to be foolish to leave room for God to intervene? I don't know which scene you're living. And there's one or two more next week as we continue in this.
But I'm glad that God's writing His story instead of people just writing theirs. Aren't you? And in, in my life and in your life, I am praying that God is writing His story as well. And His story always begins the same way. His story begins with you willing to accept the fact that unless you enter the story of the cross, you can't have the blessing of God. And you ask Him to be your personal Savior. And you say, I can't save myself. I can't figure this out myself. I need your help. I need a Savior and I need a Lord. And I need someone to submit to instead of thinking that I'm in charge. It begins with the cross. Your story has to intersect with that. It begins by you asking Jesus Christ to be your Savior. And it says, for by grace are you saved through faith. You believe that God can do that for you. That's where the story begins. If you've never asked Jesus to be your personal Savior, that's where your story could begin. By just you simply deciding today, I'm going to trust in Jesus to help intersect my story and take even the foolishness of my life and by divine intervention, turn it into something glorious that only He can do. Let's pray. If you've never made that decision, and today would be the day that you would like to ask Jesus Christ to be your personal Savior, you want that story to be your story, would you just nod your head and say, yeah, I need a Savior today. God, I need you to be my Savior. For the rest of you, for those of you who are waiting or maybe even finding crisis in the promises, will you believe in the God that can write better headlines than are on the mirror? Will you believe in the God that can do crazier things than you can ever think or imagine? Will you believe again today in a God who says my ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts? Will you believe in a God that even if He hasn't kept His promises, you know He will? And so even in the littlest things in life, you will obey Him and trust in Him because He is a good God and He knows what's best for you. And in the crisis in your own life and the crisis of those around you, will you believe today that He can divinely intervene and work out a better plan than any collateral damage that we're afraid that exists? God, sometimes when we see places where you have been faithful and where you have answered prayer, it helps us it helps us just obey you easier and trust you more. But some of us are in crisis. And some of us feel wounded, disqualified. And yet you took the craziest things from Abraham and Sarah's life 
and turn them to good even when they made bad decisions. God, we want the same for our lives. Be the miracle worker in the mess that we live in. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for being a part of the miracle that God wants to work in Lake Placid and the North Country around us. You are loved and you are blessed. Have a great day.